Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Titus chapter three, and we're gonna look at verse number eight. And uh, just a moment, we'll stand and read a couple of pages of scripture before we uh, get there this evening. I did wanna just mention some things that will be coming up uh, next, not this Monday, but the next Monday. uh, David Barton's gonna be in the state. He's a, a historian, American historian. Uh, last year, we went over to Cornerstone Baptist Temple and joined them for a service over there, uh, and he spoke over there. Uh, similar, uh, similar, but a little bit uh, some different, uh, different content to these. But uh, there's going to be one of the events is going to be over in the State House Atrium. You might be able to make that. Uh, maybe if you're retired and want to uh, see the State House right afterwards, uh, Representative Gary Click is going to give uh, a little bit of a tour there in the State House. So. If that's of interest to you, um, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, might be a, a, a fun uh, uh, school outing. Uh, but anyway, that's happening on Monday the 23rd, 10 a.m. in the atrium of the State House. And then uh, that night, uh, 7, uh, 7 p.m. up in Vandalia at Living Word Church. And uh, just a, not, a, not a service, but a, an event up there, uh, Chad Connolly be there and, and David Barton. So I'd encourage you uh, to, there are flyers out in the lobby, I'd encourage you to spread it uh, broadly. Like I said this morning, you know, uh, we have forgotten much of our history as a nation, and uh, we, uh, we have forgotten it, and therefore uh, we see our nation uh, shifting, and there's much reconstruction that's going on to our history, just rewriting of history, and it's important to hear what, how our nation was founded and uh, the, God's irreplaceable role in our nation's history. And uh, why should we still stand up for God's role in our nation's history? And so uh, let's, uh, let's uh, mind those things. I'd certainly love to have a, a showing of our church there at, uh, at these events, and you're invited. Um, let's uh, be at Titus chapter number three. Let's stand and let's uh, get into the word of God tonight. Almost to the end of Titus, not a long book, but uh, certainly a, a, a book full of meaning. Titus chapter 3, verse number 8. This is a faithful saying, and on these things I will that thou affirm constantly that uh, they which have believed in God, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Father, would you guide us tonight in your word? Help us to be a church that is occupied until you come. Lord, you told us to do that. You, you commanded us to help us to occupy, especially in this matter of good works, until you come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's be seated. Thank you for being here. And uh, I'm just encouraged with, uh, with how the Lord is working in our hearts and it is directly related to our reception of his word. And so we must continue to receive his word tonight. 
And I feel like I'm off somehow, but that's no problem. We'll get on. Uh, Titus chapter number three is the concluding chapter of Titus, and really he's, he's bringing it down. He's talked to us last week about how to be involved in the public arena, and we are to remember as we face an environment that is constantly a naysaying and is not always right, uh, we're to remember not to get angry at them, but rather to show mercy and to show grace and meekness towards them. Why? Because we ourselves at one point needed that same mercy and meekness from God our Father. And so Paul has left Titus on this island uh, of Crete to, um, to set things in order, really to bring health to the churches there, to the local churches, and obviously he said to the, to the church that's on the island, but uh, as these different local assemblies gather together, Titus's job was to bring health uh, first of all, by setting up leadership, we find that in chapter number one, uh, setting up leadership that is qualified by rebuking those that were rebels and vain talkers that were just going about and causing and stirring up uh, trouble. He was to deal with them. He was to give practical application. Chapter number two, take the sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, and he was to practically apply it. Here's how you are to live it out. And he showed that in the relationships of the church. He was to remind them that grace always brings us closer to God and, and brings us into holiness. It never leads us away from holiness, right? It never uh, leads us into sin. It's never a license to sin. And he was to teach him that the grace of God that brings salvation, it has appeared to all men, and that it does teach us to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And if you notice, uh, uh, Paul's teaching to Titus is never uh, you know, kind of pie in the sky, something that's way out there and uh, distant. He says, I, I want you to help the believers to live, uh, live practically and godly right now, right where they live. No matter, it, it, it's not waiting on a change in government. It's not waiting on a change in your, your, your location or your, uh, your economic status. It's right now, live godly right now. And it moves us into chapter number three where he reminds them and exhorts them uh, of the need to engage publicly and the need to engage with the right heart publicly. And that leads us to where we are tonight. Uh, Titus, make sure that you are insisting that the believers, that the believers are concentrating on doing good works. Now, we sometimes hear good works, and we, we so often remember back to what Titus said here, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. And we think, well, hold up, we're not saved by our good works. No, but we're saved unto good works, right? We're saved unto good works. God has, has saved us to do something. God has saved us to serve. God has saved us to, to, to be the hands and the feet and the, and the representation of Christ in the earth. And that's what his body is, the church. It's the, it's the hands, the, the mouth, the, the voice, the, the, the shoulder, the, the feet of Jesus Christ right now on earth. And so he wants us to be doing good works. And as we find here on this island, they, they had some trouble that, that Titus was responsible as the pastor to lead them into health. And one of the areas was this matter of good works. Now, this theme comes up over and over, not only in the pastoral epistles, but also throughout the New Testament. It comes up over and over. God wants us to be, as his children, he wants us to be engaged in good works. And so let's see how the, the church there at Crete, let's see how we, as God's people here at Grace Baptist Church, ought to be occupied with good works. Good works. Notice here in verse number eight, he says that they which believe might be careful. Notice that word careful. It's the idea of to concentrate, to give attention to. And first of all, let me just uh, note to us that you and I ought to concentrate 
on doing good works. As believers, we ought to concentrate on doing good works. Why? Good works are expected from believers. He says that here. Did you notice there what he said? That they, may, um, that they which have believed in God. That they which have believed in God. He's not talking to the unsaved and saying, hey, do good works for salvation. He's saying, you all who have placed faith in Jesus Christ, you all make sure you're concentrating on good works. That's what God expects from his followers. That's what God expects from his church. How many of you remember the day of your salvation? Right now, your hand is raised. God is telling you, you are to concentrate on good works. You this week are to concentrate on good works. Now think about that. What does that mean practically for your life? What good work does God want you to do? As a believer, he expects you to do this. Now, he tells Titus, I want you to insist on this. I don't want there to be a time that you assemble together as a church there in Crete without you bringing up the fact you need to go make this practical. Don't make this just some book that you study and, and, and all about theology that, that never is practiced. Go practice it. Go live it out. Go do something with it. Go do good works with it. Be concentrated on this. Give your attention to it. He says that you give your attention to maintain it. To maintain it. The idea that it becomes preeminent. Uh, the idea that you take the lead in it. Now, friends, there is a sense in, in our human heart just the way that God made us, that we love to meet the needs of other people. Most people get a, a rush out of meeting someone's need or giving to others. And, and you will find some, some folks that do not know Jesus, in fact, might even blaspheme the name of Jesus, but they find a, a, a good feeling in giving to others. But what God is telling his church is you lead the way. The idea of maintain is you lead the way. You occupy in this. You, you give great attention to this. You take the lead in this matter of doing good works. You occupy yourself with these good works. Don't let it be the, the, uh, the world who does not know Christ that is leading the way in good works. You make sure that you're doing good works yourself. Good works is morally excellent works, things that would please God, things that would build others up, things that would encourage people onto Jesus Christ. In fact, we find the term good works happens about 28 times in the, uh, in the New Testament. I printed out a, a list of all the verses that um, have the matter of good works in them. My, uh, my mind is drawn to uh, Nehemiah, it comes up one time, but then the rest of the 28 times in, in the scriptures, it's found in the New Testament. The first time it's found in the New Testament is let your light so shine before men that they may see your, what? Good works. Your good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. And the first time Jesus admonishes us to be doing good works as his believers is there when he's saying, hey, I want you to be salt and light in the society. Now, how are they going to know that we are followers of Jesus Christ if, we're, if we say, hey, we believe, but we don't have any, any outflow? Uh, we, we're, we're a believer in Jesus Christ, but we don't engage in anything. No, that's for other people to do. And Jesus said, no, I want you to let your light shine. Make your good works and put them out there and, and, and work for me and let your good works glorify me. And so there's so many here, Jesus giving this all the way throughout the, out the Gospels, that, it, um, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. In uh, t on Timothy, but uh, which becometh uh, um, pro women professing godliness with good works. 
The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.1, this is a, 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 a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, you can do a study and, and see what the Bible uh, uh, talks further about that, but the matter is that God has saved us to do good works. He expects it from his believers. Not we're uh, doing good works to be saved or to find extra merit with God, but he has saved us for this purpose. And the greatest work that we can do, friends, is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and orienting our lives around getting the gospel out, making connections with people, uh, loving on them and caring for them so that we might have opportunity to give them the gospel. This world is hurting. And everyone's coming after them, wanting something. And friends, as we, as we go to them, we love them unconditionally like Jesus did so that we might give them the greatest news in all the world, right? But make the good works beyond that. Friends, good works, it might be mowing your neighbor's lawn. It might be shoveling, uh, uh, shoveling the, the driveway. It might be uh, caring for them when you know they, they have, have a loss, making a meal for a neighbor. It might be taking them out to dinner and just saying, hey, just because might be inviting them to their, uh, into your house. It, it might be helping them with a project. You see them having a difficult time around their house. It might be helping. Uh, what is it that you can do that would glorify God? And when they say, hey, I, I, can I pay you? You know what? Just, just thank him. Uh, it's because of him. Doing good works. By their works, Titus was exhorting them to demonstrate that they had faith in God. To demonstrate, to live out their faith in God. Show it by your works. Now, why don't you turn over to James chapter 2 and verse number 14. There's a significant passage here in the, uh, in the book of James. James chapter 2 and verse number 14. And we'll come back to Titus, but James chapter 2 and verse 14. And let's look at this matter uh, of works because sometimes people, uh, get, we get lazy in our, in our Christianity. And we, uh, we, don't, we don't work. We serve ourselves rather than serving others. And God says, hey, I want you to buy love, serve one another. And so we find here in James 2 and verse number 14, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath, have not works, can um, faith save him? If a, a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. What's God saying? Listen, faith without works, it's dead. Now, I realize there's been denominations that have taken that and flipped it around, and they've used that to, uh, as, as, uh, as a way of trying to prove that uh, salvation is by works, but the Bible says very clearly, not by works of righteousness, say it with me, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy has he saved us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, all right? So it's not of works, but what God is bringing out here, James is really challenging the, the people of God. Listen, if you're, if you're saying, I believe, but you're not living out that belief with good works, you have a dead faith. Your faith isn't active. Your faith isn't right. Something is wrong with what you're saying. So uh, he goes on uh, for all the way down through verse number 26 and gives illustration of Abraham. And how did Abraham show he had faith in God, that he believed in God? When God told him, 
take your son up and sacrifice him. Abraham obeyed and demonstrated his faith. And so uh, uh, James is simply saying, listen, sometimes it, it, it is a call to a radical move, but you do good works as, as an outflow of your faith. So good works are a fruit of our faith. They're to be a fruit of our faith. And how is that going in your life? Are you concentrating on good works? What are you going to do this week? Are you going to be willing to allow your schedule to be interrupted to do something good for the sake of others that, that others might glorify God? That they might see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Say, wow, what love, uh, what love that is. What love that is. And so these good works are expected of believers, but the good works are encouraged as beneficial. Notice at the end of verse number uh, 8, these things are good and profitable unto men. God just helps us to realize the, the motivation behind this. You need to realize this is for the profit of men. Sometimes we say, well, it'll take my time. and It's a sacrifice of my part. But he says, no, it's good and profitable. Aren't you thankful that God sent his son to die on the cross, to perform the work at the cross for you and I? And it was good and profitable for men, wasn't it? And we can be inconvenienced, and we can be disturbed, and we can be, uh, we can be uh, assumed upon, right, um, by others, and do good works for his sake, because he has done so much for us, right? And so it is it's profitable. It's profitable. It's beneficial. Good works profit everyone. Good works profit this church body. You realize as you go out this week and, and the Lord gives you an opportunity, intersects your life, divine appointment with somebody else, and gives you the opportunity to serve them in love and, and show Christ's love to them, do you know what that says for the, the church body? Do you know what that says for more so the, the body of Jesus Christ, what, how that, that just elevates Jesus? Boy, that's, that's what a Jesus follower does. Boy, that's good stuff. That's a good stuff. And so let's be focused on good works. Why? Because they're, they're beneficial. Now, I wanted to apply or give an illustration in this way. It was, I, I heard this this past week, and I thought it was very, very interesting. Um, think with me for just a moment, and we'll wrap this back around, but think with me just a moment how often we hear about just the, the degradation uh, in our society of the, the abortion movement and, and just that whole topic right now, right? It's, 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 it's in, in a lot of ways, it's depressing, um, it, it, it's mind-boggling to us as God's people. It, it's really a struggle to, to look at those, like I mentioned this morning, that, uh, that are, are saying it's not loving uh, to be for life. Okay? So it's, just, it's, it's very twisted, like I said this morning. But uh, sometimes we think, okay, so what's the use? But you know there are, there are many believers, and some that are people of faith or God-fearing individuals, maybe not believers, but God-fearing individuals, who throughout the years have said, you know what, we stand for life, and we're going we're gonna to do our very, very best uh, to give people an out, give people another option, uh, uh, help people consider, uh, give them an ultrasound, help them to consider a, another way, okay? And so uh, a few weeks ago, I, I encouraged, um, you know what, some of you ladies might ought to go, uh, ought to go uh, volunteer at the, the Women's um, pre uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center here in town, the, the, the one that is evangelical and would, would support um, our, our uh, fundamental faith. And uh, why? Because what a great work. But think about this. Uh, we, we hear about all of this going on and how many babies have been killed in our, in our country. But do you realize that across our nation, pre um, a pre uh, crisis pregnancy centers outnumber, outnumber, outnumber abortion clinics in a, in a very 
uh, major way. And I'm going to give it to us here in Ohio. In Ohio, uh, how many abortion clinics do you think that there are? 200? Anyone else? What? One? 20. Anyone else? There are eight. And there are there are 200 crisis pregnancy centers. And that's all across, the, all across America. There are about 2,700 crisis pregnancy centers across America. Well, there's only about 739 abortion clinics across America. Now, let me give you some other interesting statistics from the, um, the Ohio Right to Life. Uh, Ohio has nearly uh, 200 pregnancy centers. I already mentioned that and uh, maternity homes that assist women in crisis pregnancies. From 2000 to 2018, the number of induced abortions uh, in Ohio declined by 46% from uh, uh, 38,140 to 20,425. Additionally, the number of abortion clinics in Ohio has been reduced from uh, 18 to 8 uh, since 2010. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of factors in that. But friends, there are people who are taking their Christianity and their belief in life and they're going and doing something with it and sometimes in the moment we don't see the the change but over a period of time we begin to see oh you know why God wants us to do good works because they make a difference and they benefit people and friends right now I don't know what God wants you to do but we're we're about ready to step into a post row world and this country is in a fit now whether that's everyone or that's just what the media is projecting but this country's in a fit are we ready to do good works and to show love to them and to answer them? Or are we just going to be, like we talked about last week, angry towards them and hostile towards them? We can't do that. Uh, and with good works, we can make a, uh, a, big, uh, a big difference. Um, I think about just more practically here in our, in our church ministry, uh, the good works of just ministering to children and young people and, and, and so on. And it's a blessing to see children up here, isn't it? It's, it's fun. It's, it's a blessing to see them. And children, uh, honestly, uh, you, light up, you light up our church in a, in a very special way. And that goes from the, the youngest child to the oldest still child, right? The teens sitting there in the back row. And I, I was thinking, in, um, and I don't want to embarrass, but I was thinking about uh, some of the, the, uh, the young ladies in our, in our teen group. Uh, and I was having a conversation with one of them who started coming back in 2016. And, uh, and just realizing she was at our, you know, at our adventure camp, um, you know, uh, workers meeting and wanted to get involved. And, and so I started asking questions, which, which adventure camp did you first come to and so forth. And you know what just warmed my heart? You know, you don't, you don't realize the difference you make in a person's life by being here and, and serving and doing good works, teaching that lesson, driving the bus, uh, cleaning up after all these different things, those are good works that we must continue on and, 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 and do for the glory of God. And so that we could, we could, we could you know, take those and I illustrate across the church, but friends, what are we going to do this week? It's not enough what we've done in the past. We must continue to go forward. What does God want us to do this week? God is giving you unique opportunities. God is going to give you unique opportunities to shine for him with good works, and he was the one that told us to concentrate on it, to concentrate on it. Now, um, I remember being in school and being told to concentrate. How about you? Any of you have that same problem? Concentrate, all right? And God is right now, uh, just like a, a school teacher saying, hey, Titus, 
tell the church in Crete to concentrate on this. Make sure that they're focused in on this matter of, of good works. Good works have an impact. They have ramifications that we cannot measure this side of eternity. So when God gives us the opportunity, do the, right, uh, the next right thing that's in front of you, do the good work for the glory of God. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Think about that. So God says, hey, don't be weary. Do we get weary? How many of you get weary? Like just worn out. Like I, I, I'm done. I don't want to see anybody. I'm, I'm done. And yet we get weary and it's just, it can be overwhelming. Doesn't make any difference. God told us not to be weary while doing, but continue doing it. And as we have the opportunity, what's that opportunity? It's a divine appointment. God opens a door. He crosses your path with someone having a difficult time. I remember, uh, it, it has to be a couple months ago now, my wife was coming out of Aldi and uh, she had some, uh, she, she was shopping on her own that day. And, uh, and I don't remember the circumstances, but she was, and there was a lady coming out with, a young mother coming out with all of her children in tow. She was having a hard time pushing the cart and getting to the, uh, the, the, uh, get the vehicle, and so she helped her along and, and um, pushed the cart back, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And she says, well, I have five, I have five kids. That is what you call God crossing, crossing paths, and I know she witnessed to her in that moment, um, but crossing a path and allowing, giving an opportunity for a good work, a good work. Let's look for those opportunities this week. Let's improve our area. Let's improve our neighborhood. Let's improve our community by being salt and light believers, uh, shining our light and letting our light shine with good works. Why? So that we can get credit? No. No, so that he might get credit, that they might glorify our Father which is in heaven. Now, a church needs to be focused on this. God says concentrate on this. So let's do that as a church. But what would hinder our concentration? noise noise uh, i don't know about you there are some things that 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 do hinder my concentration um if if i'm a little bit tired uh you know extra noisy voices will hinder my concentration most of the time i can tune it out i was uh, we were getting ready this morning and i think my uh, my wife goes josiah would you listen to her and my my daughter had been uh, saying the same thing you know how that goes the same thing over and over and finally i tuned in but i wasn't tired i was just you know rested and, and so on so uh it, it wasn't as distracting at that point but there are things that distract us from from concentration and noise whatever it might be um for you there are things that distract us but here in titus uh paul challenges titus to deal with the noise that goes on inside of a church and in an area in the matter of division now look at it with me. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are not profitable. They're, they're unprofitable and vain. Good works, profitable. The debates and the divisiveness, unprofitable and vain or empty. They're worthless. So we have these two things, and he says, hey, Titus, as much as the church needs to be concentrating on good works, you need to be dealing with the divisions that go on in and around the church and make sure that you are shunning the empty disputes. 
Uh, he gives this word avoid. It, it, it literally means to shun, put it away from you. We don't want it in our midst. We don't want to have anything to do with it. We, we're deliberately going around it. We're deliberately staying away from it. We don't want to have any part in the, the division, in the debate. So the area of divisions that he mentions, these foolish disputes, these, this, this endless chatter of you know, just disagreeing. Um, I think of the children of Israel. They murmured and disputed. I think of Toby anytime I think of this, this matter of disputing because of his favorite verse in all the, all the Bible, right? Uh, do all things without, help me out, do all things without murmuring and disputing, right? Um, but I think of children and, and you know, how they, they can just get at each other. And you that don't have kids in the home, uh, there are some days that, that, that children just, they just get at each other and they're disputing about the craziest little things and God says, nope, I don't want that going on anymore. And uh, for you that don't have children in the home, maybe that happens in between your marriages and, and, and so on, the, the endless, you know, no, I hope not, I hope not. But none, nonetheless, the, the foolish disputes and the ideas inside, there's just kind of this, this bubbling uh, discussion and, uh, and, and disagreement that's going on within the church. And he says, no, I want you to, to shun that. And then you have this matter of genealogies, and uh, especially for the, the Jewish individuals, very interested in genealogy and, and tracking all that, and whether it be genealogies of humans or genealogies of, uh, of angels or, or so on, the ancestry and and, you know, I'm related to so-and-so, and that makes me better than you, and just kind of this one-upping uh, one another. He says, don't do that. Don't, um, don't strive about the finer points of the law that, that you might not, mo- might not agree on. Uh, uh, stop stop uh, doing that as well. And, and essentially what Paul's getting at is it's a challenge to the church there at Crete to stop majoring on the minors. And if you, if you get around churches enough, you're going to find right around God's people that there's some minor things that we might not agree on that we could major on and really mess up this church. Are you with me on that? We could really mess up things. There are things, every one of us, every, every family unit here tonight has disagreements about things. Things they see differently. And the importance of us gathering around the Word of God and letting the Word of God be preeminent in our lives, amen? and allowing us to adjust our lives to this, but we're all, all in different uh, places of, uh, of the journey of growth. We're all in different, different, uh, uh, different uh, uh, ways of this journey. I mean, it, it, it takes us time, and so uh, there's going to be disagreements, and, and if we major on the minor issues, well, we can just pull it apart. We can lose our concentration on good work rather than working together on good works for the glory of God. We, we start fragmenting and being pulled apart. Friends, it ought not be the case. I think about the foolish disputes. You know, there's some disputes that ought to just be discussed and let go. Rather than just going on and, and you know, burying it. Friends, burying it isn't going to be a good thing. Get the dispute taken care of and get, go, um, get on. All right, we'll agree to disagree. But I love you in the Lord. And I'm going to go on. There are some topics of conversation that don't build up because there's not an agreeable solution. <laughs> uh, it'd be good for us to learn to be okay with some disagreement. Now, we're talking about the minor issues. Uh, learn to be okay with agreeing to disagree and move on. Move on. It doesn't have to be nitpicked. It doesn't have to be brought up. 
It doesn't have to be constantly thrown in one another's faces and brought up as an argument. It, it, you know, in those type of conversations, it really doesn't, it doesn't uh, generate life. It, it, it discourages. It, it, just, it, it sucks the air out of the room. It, it's not healthy. It's not good. And uh, certainly if something needs to be discussed, go privately to a person and discuss it with them and, and, and come to a resolution in that way. But, uh, but the, the disputing and the, 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 the disagreeing back and forth, that chatter that's just unsettled is not good. Learn to be okay with loving and encouraging another believer who doesn't think just like you do. Romans 14 and verse number 5 says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. All right, we're getting into what days are celebrated. You know what, what Paul tells the Roman believers in a passage to the context that is dealing with disagreements and, 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 and honoring and preferring one another? He says, let every man be persuaded in his own mind. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. It means there, there are some things that, you know what? You're the head of your home, and I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to honor and respect that. I, I don't agree, but I love you in the Lord. I love you in the Lord. And, and go on not majoring on the minors. And so some of the questions that we ought to ask as we consider, hey, is this something that we should be engaging in? Uh, here's, a, here's a question. Will this question, will this issue be relevant in eternity? Like when we get to heaven, will we be really ha- unhappy that we had this dispute? Will this, will, this, will this be something that is a topic in heaven? Is this something that God, uh, or is this something that God can, you know, straighten us out when we get there? Uh, does this discussion help me or hinder me from bringing people to Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about compromise. I'm not. But friends, there are so many finer points of the Christian life. There are so many finer points of the Christian life that, that we may never agree on this side of heaven. We're individuals before, uh, before God, and we will give a, a, an answer to God for those, for those areas. And our, our ability to get along and to love one another, why? Because when there's division or when there's disputing going on in a flock or around a flock, it robs us, it drains us of our concentration on what God told us to occupy ourselves with, and that's good works. And so we must stay focused in this matter. Uh, does this discussion destroy unity? Well, if it does, then we ought to let it go. We ought to let it go. Uh, if it's a matter of sin, it ought to be dealt with. But if, if it's a, a, a matter of a, the finer points, we ought to let it go. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Why? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in this world. So the reason that God doesn't want us disputing is it dampens our light. It, it, it inhibits our ability to hold forth the word of life. So he says, listen, Titus, concentrate on good works. Get the people concentrated on good works. Insist on that and deal with the disputing. Deal with the disputing. Now, let me just say another application to this. Uh, it's really important to be right with one another, to have the air cleared with one another. It's silly for us to have things in between us and not get it taken care of. It's silly. And as mature believers, we can, we can come and have a conversation. And the Bible talks about going to a person, going to a person and having that conversation so that the air can be cleared, 
so that you can be right with one another. You know, I, I've had people come to me. I've had to go to other people. But there's something good about saying, you know what? I, I, I was wrong uh, for this, and I just need to clear the air. Will you please forgive me? Or someone coming to you and saying, brother, hey, you're wrong. I'm really struggling to getting over this. I need to bring this to your attention. And, uh, and, and allowing the air to be cleared in that way, allowing the conscience to be cleared. Friends, we must value the unity of the church. Deal with the division, he's telling Titus. We must value unity in this, in this place. What does uh, Ephesians 4.3 tell us? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And let's not be petty. Let's not be petty with one another. Um, the Holy Spirit's not in pettiness. You agree with me on that? The Holy Spirit's not petty. Uh, and there's a lot of pettiness that can go on. And friends, we will hurt. We, at some point or another, we're going, to, we're going to aggravate each other. Have you ever realized that every human being is annoying to somebody? Right? We're all annoying to somebody. <laughs> at some point, we're going to aggravate. And friends, we need to deal with the division. Because it will, it, will, uh, it will cause a great leak in our concentration. It will cause us to lose our concentration on what God said to be concentrated on, good works. But here we have another thing. It goes a little bit further. He says, hey, there's heretics among you that need to be rejected. There's heretics that need to be rejected. Now, that sounds like really strong language, but what's he talking about? We're talking about a person here, this heretic, in this context, is a factious person, a, a person that's characterized by, by schisms and forming dissenting parties and groups. So there's a person that says, hey, hey, let's all get together over at my house uh, to talk about this issue that's going on. And, and can you believe it's, it's the person, maybe they don't, they don't say it so overtly, maybe they just invite everyone else over, and can you believe what just happened at church? Can you believe what she said? Can you believe what he said? Can, uh, can you believe what they did? And there's this, uh, this, this dissenting group together that is aggravated and is, is tossing this dispute back and forth. And if you think that does not happen, well, hold on. God has put it in his word because it does happen among Christians. God knows, and it doesn't help. And friends, you can have a conversation within your home with a couple of other people and really sap the power right out of a church like this. Do you believe that? It's really important that we have unity, and it's really important that we deal with the disputes in a, in a biblical way. Now, this heretic is, uh, th this is not a person uh, who doesn't see things your way. Now, it's easy for us to name-call somebody and mark them as a heretic. You don't see things my way, so you're a heretic. <laughs> You've seen that before? Uh, th that's not what's being talked about here. A heretic is this person that's characterized. Their, their whole attitude is one that is very factious. It's very, it, it's very like uh, uh, hostile in its posture and always ready for the fight, always ready to, to break away and have another another. Uh, group that is dissenting against another group. And you know what that goes on? It goes on and, uh, and goes on across denominations, but it goes on even in churches just like ours. We're, we're going to have a split and we're going to go across town and we're going to start another church. Right? And it happens. And let me ask you, how does that bring glory to God? How does that portray God to a, a, a community? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. And so this matter of this heretic is one who, who is characterized by it. One man said it this way, the man, the heretic is the man who majors on these minors in a uh, is a divisive heretic. 
Uh, he's the one who's just been on this. He's always looking for the divide, always looking for the, the difference so that he can separate and, and, and bring division within the flock. God says, that's a heretic. How do you deal with a heretic? Well, the Bible, I mean, really plainly says, give them two opportunities to repent. Admonish them once, admonish them twice, and then reject. Now, this rejection is not a matter of, of uh, uh, looking at them as the offscouring of the, of the earth and being rude and nasty to them, but it's, this is not welcome here. This, this spirit is not welcome in our, in our congregation. It's not welcome in, in, this, in this assembly. It's not welcome here. Why? Because he says they've, they've become subverted. They've become perverse. They, they're, they're, they're deviating from the way of God. And so he says, hey, there is a point where you have to reject them. You have to say no more. It's not allowed here. He is sinning by forming a sect or party. He is self-condemned, as the Bible goes on to say, because he is stubbornly clinging to his wickedness after being warned by a responsible Christian. He's holding on to it. No, I'm right. You're all wrong. This is, you know, that, that group is wrong over there, and we're going we're gonna to have the only perfect church over here. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how we get bent out of shape over something that's, that's minor and then move on. Friends, the division is not of God. It's not of God. There is a proper way to deal with the, 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 the struggle, but those here in, in Titus that, that continue in that way, they're divisive, they're constantly just uh, forming cliques, groups away from the other group that they're dissenting from. I've been around churches that are, that are like that. It's, it's like every month, who are they separating from? We're no longer with that group. We're no longer with those folks. We're, it's always what we're separating from. Friends, I want to also just urge you that some of these type of folks, some heretics make their way and they make websites and they make blogs and they, they print papers and send them out. And uh, I've, I've lovingly called them or not so lovingly called them the Christian tabloids where they're, they're constantly just highlighting all the wrongdoings, their perceived wrongdoings, the minor wrongdoings of everyone else in the country. Friends, it's not, it's not of God. And it doesn't bring glory to God. And so what Paul is saying is you got to deal with this there in, uh, you got to deal with this there in Crete uh, and, and, and stop it. Beware of following. Beware of following those who make it their job to highlight and to constantly point out and to constantly bring division and dispute. Beware of those folks. The Bible says that we are to um, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. All right? The Bible also tells us in Proverbs that we're not to keep company or make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Well, you could put a, a divisive person right in the midst of that. Don't go with them. Why? Because when you go with them, you'll become like them. And how important it is to watch who we're hanging with and watch who we're reading after. And this matter of the division must be dealt with there in the church. So a healthy church is occupied with what? Good works. A healthy church is occupied with what? Good works. Altogether, a healthy church is occupied with good works, okay? And it also is going to, at the same time, be dealing with division. It's going to be dealing with the division. It's not going to be allowing it. And so, friends, every one of us can have a, have a part in applying this this week. We can all do good works for God as he gives us opportunity, right? Amen?
we can all deal with division when it pops up in, in our church and when there's, when there's uh, someone who's saying, hey, I just don't like, and they're spreading some division, say, hey, why don't we go talk to the person? I'll go with you so we can get this matter settled. Wouldn't that be an amazing way to deal with division within the church? Wouldn't that be amazing? I'll help you get this settled. I, I'm not going to just hear you say this, but I'm going to go help you get this settled so that the church can go forward in unity. And so let's ask God to help us with this matter uh, tonight. Let's ask him to give us opportunities for good works. Let's ask him to have a heart to deal with the, uh, any division that might come up. Would you bow with me? And uh, why don't you do this right now? All across the auditorium, if, if the Lord has touched your heart to pray in this way, uh, just find a place to kneel and ask God, Lord, give me an opportunity to do good works this week. Lord, there's that division that you are aware of. Would you help me to know how to, how to help that situation so that it might be resolved and that we might go forward as a church and concentrate on good works? All across the auditorium, let's just pray and seek the Lord in this moment before we leave. Will you concentrate on demonstrating your faith with good works beginning tomorrow? Maybe God's already impressed your heart to do something for a neighbor, someone else in the church. You're aware of a need. Will you deal with vision by shunning empty disputes? By not keeping company with those that are characterized with a disputing spirit. Father, would you help us as your, your people to be concentrating on good works so that we might glorify you. That is our heart. I believe that's the heart of this congregation. I'm sure I'm thankful for the peace and the unity that you've given here. Lord, I pray that we do everything we can to maintain it, to endeavor to live and walk in it. And Lord, would you continue to bless us as we walk forward for you. Lord, we desire to do your will this week. We desire that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in our lives and so help us we ask thank you for uh, loving us thank you for allowing us to assemble in your name today in jesus name amen